0: Good morning, I'm John Carroll. It's Tuesday, December 27th. Travel woes continue at our local airports. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A Pacific Beach neighborhood is still reeling from a Christmas Day fire. The fire started in an apartment building under construction at the corner of Jewel and Hornblend. Craig Newell is a battalion chief with San Diego Fire and Rescue. It's a fire like this in a building under construction is like building inside a tinderbox, right? And so as soon as it got some heat going, it was unstoppable. The fire damaged two nearby homes and several cars. Two firefighters were hurt during the fire, but returned to work the same day. The cause of the fire is being investigated. Cooler temps and rain are on the horizon. Alex Tardy from the National Weather Service says a system is brewing that has tropical moisture and a jet stream stretching all the way across the Pacific, and it's pointed directly at California. So
1: what it could result in is not just one storm, but a series of storms. They're going to hose down the entire West Coast. And yes, even us in San Diego could be talking about a couple inches of rain by New Year's Day.
0: The National Weather Service predicts rain starting tonight, but the system could continue into the first week of the new year. San Diego wants to recycle your Christmas tree. Residents can drop off undecorated trees at one of 17 locations around the city from now until January 23rd. You can find a list of locations at kpbs.org. The city says the program helps reduce the amount of waste going to the Miramar landfill. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. A record-setting winter freeze in many parts of the country continues to cause flight delays and cancellations at airports. Here in San Diego, Southwest canceled nearly all of its flights yesterday. Many travelers have been stranded for days at the San Diego International Airport. That includes Patrick Guarino, who's trying to return to Alabama.
1: Sir, from so Thursday to today I've been on two canceled flights, 3 rebooked flights, The gate has changed multiple times on me, and it just seems like I am at their mercy to get home.
0: This is also the first holiday season amid a major rebuild of the airport's Terminal 1. Things at the region's other airport aren't looking great either. The Tijuana Airport has been in a state of chaos since Friday night when dense fog canceled all flights. Even though the fog cleared up, those travel disruptions are still here. Yesterday, more than half of the flights out of Tijuana were either delayed or canceled. Ryan McCarger and his family were among those stranded at the Tijuana airport. He described a chaotic scene. And so everywhere super crowded. People are lying on the ground, sleeping in different places. People are pulling out their blankets, pulling out their luggage. Um, everyone's super crazy. So, McCarger says some families spent the last three nights in the Tijuana airport. With another storm expected this week, the situation may not get any better ahead of New Year's Eve. Academic workers have ratified a new union contract with the University of California. KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne says that puts an end to a strike that lasted 40 days.
2: Better wages, improved benefits, and workplace protections. Those are some of the things outlined in the contract UC academic workers approved late Friday. But getting there wasn't easy, says SAG Goldberg. He is a student researcher and instructional assistant at UCSD.
1: I mean, it's incredible. It was the largest strike in academic history in the United States.
2: About 48,000 UC workers went on strike starting in mid-November, before the agreement was reached. A joint effort that Goldberg says will help everyone involved with the cost of living in California.
1: Every worker is going to see a substantial and massive raise through the life of this contract.
2: The new contract's going to effect immediately and will be in place through May 31st, 2025. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News.
0: Navigating school can be a challenge for any student, but especially for those who are visually impaired. In this story from September, KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez tells us how their special needs are being met and celebrated. Step up. Buttons in front, forward, left. Find the button that's in front of you.
1: These are very specific directions for a a very specific young student.
2: We use the back of the hand because we don't know if there's something on the button or if the button is hot.
1: 15-year-old Grace DeBerry is feeling her way across Orange Avenue in Coronado and listening to traffic all around her.
2: Right Right off my right shoulder is where the car should be. Nicely done.
1: Grace has been blind since birth because of an underdeveloped optic nerve that can't carry messages from her eyes to her brain.
2: It's a bit scary at first because there are literal cars, but after doing it for a few years, it gets easier because I know what to expect most of the time, and it just becomes something I do every day.
3: Let's give us a safety sweep, left to right. Very nice, step up.
1: The voice she listens to belongs to Jim Perandi, an orientation and mobility specialist with the San Diego County Office of Education. He works with five or six visually impaired students every day in districts from Coronado to San Ysidro, teaching them life skills and helping with accommodations for their schoolwork.
3: It's not about failure. It's not about meeting my expectations. It's about them reaching the highest level of independence that they can in the amount of time that it takes to do that safely.
1: He has worked with Grace since she was in second grade.
2: I'm trailing the grass line that's to my right. Good. So I have a boundary.
3: So I want you to find the front. She
1: is now a freshman at Coronado High School, already enrolled in advanced placement computer science along with math and English classes. Grace is growing up with her other senses sharpened and has only a little interest in what she might never see.
2: Honestly, uh, probably just my family, and I've heard the stars are pretty beautiful, so I'd want to see the night sky, but I don't really want sight because I'd have to relearn everything.
1: Barandi has more than 16 years of experience. That includes time as an EMT, security officer, a credentialed special education teacher with a master's degree, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he is visually impaired.
3: At 24 years old, I had an injury to my left eye uh, where I had a retinal attachment, and I lost the majority of the vision in my left eye, and I didn't get it back.
1: Sometimes Parandi covers his one good eye so that he can relate to what his student is experiencing.
3: So you're at the end of the 500 building. We're gonna work on going to the front office and the nurse's office. At San
1: Isidro on- Middle School, there is another student success story involving 12-year-old Diego Caparron also blind since birth, with prosthetics for both his eyes. He has never seen light or even shadows, only complete darkness. That has not stopped him from dreams of someday playing professional football.
2: I love football, yes. What uh, position do you No, I don't, uh, I haven't figured that out yet. When I'm throwing the ball, someone just makes a noise, like, uh, like they clap or
1: something, and I just throw that at the direction. Diego is supported by his visual impairment teacher, too. Tanya Gonzalez is another member of the San Diego County Office of Education team. Gonzalez is a person who can see, and she says she has been educated by so many of her students who cannot.
4: My students can generally tell if a person is naturally kind, good-hearted, not because of the way they look, but by the way they're interacted with.
1: Diego's perseverance sets an example for all the other visually impaired students across the county like him, who just want success and happiness. Treat them normal.
4: Treat them the way normal people are treated.
1: That is a lesson for all of us that is clear to see. M.G. Perez, KPBS News.
0: Coming up, a San Diego restaurant has been recognized as one of the best in the world. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. For over a hundred years, the Michelin star has been an unparalleled sign of achievement in the culinary world. One star is prestigious enough, but only the highest quality restaurants can aspire to a three-star designation. And now San Diego is home to one of them. Addison, housed at the Fairmont Grand Del Mar, is the first restaurant in the region to receive the honor. And at the center of this culinary vision is a San Diego native, Chef William Bradley. Bradley spoke with Midday Edition's Jade Hindman about what it takes to head one of the best restaurants in the world.
5: Well, first of all, congratulations to you. Uh, This is the highest honor for a restaurant to receive. What was the journey like getting to this point?
0: You know,
3: the journey really goes back to before Addison. You know, I've always inspired and looked up to the European methodology and, you know, the way they approach restaurants and the Michelin Guide when I was quite young, kind of got influenced by that through European soccer. I've always been a huge soccer fan. And then kind of the restaurants were something that I I, I discovered along that path. And then from there, I just noticed that the true gods, as they say, and gastronomy were the ones with the three-star Michelin um, designation behind their restaurants. So it's just one of those things that's always inspired me and kind of emulated Um, how I approached restaurants and um, my culinary vision as well.
5: And you were born and raised in San Diego, Chula Vista specifically. What kind of food did you grow up eating in Chula Vista?
3: I had a a huge influence. I grew up in a very um, Latin culture, uh, being in the Chula Vista area and being involved in soccer and um, with a lot of Hispanic friends. And the influences that they had on the food was very different than my upbringing. Um, you know, on Sundays, they would the, the parents would cook, and all the different flavors and the freshness of the Latin cuisine. I think really helped set my palate at a very young age um, for 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 you know what was to become through the future. So a lot of Latin dishes as I grew up.
5: And what does it mean to you personally to be leading a restaurant with such a prestigious
3: designation? Well, again, it means so, It means a lot to me. But again, I, I have I have a really amazing team that I surround myself with. And we all have the common goal. You know, we have a, a saying in the restaurant, all in, all the time. And um, when you see everyone committed from the purveyors, the concierge, Everyone that's just so involved and committed to making sure that the hospitality is at the highest level is just something that inspires me because that drives me. So if they're driving me, I can help drive them. And what that does is that drives the restaurant. And then when you drive a restaurant to try to maximize its potential, great things can happen. It's a very positive environment.
5: And for those who don't know, can you talk about your restaurant, Addison? What's the culinary vision and how would you describe the food?
3: Yeah, the cuisine at Addison is what we call California gastronomy. So obviously gastronomy is a lifestyle and California is obviously the region we live in. So there's a lot of inspiration from multiple different cuisines that we like to inspire from. You can have a little bit of Thai influence in our cuisine, uh, Japanese, Latin American uh, elements in terms of taste. And with a lot of French technique and French elements as well. So it's a great blend. And I think that reflects Southern California and San Diego quite well.
5: And along with the prestige that three Michelin stars brings, it also brings a lot of expectations, a lot of customers and a lot more scrutiny and discussion. Uh, Does this designation come with a lot of added pressure?
3: You know, if you look back historically, um, it has. I mean, it's been something that has added a lot of pressure to establishments, individuals, and everyone takes it differently and everyone handles this differently. But this is something that we are, as we call in the restaurant, we're we're obsessed with perfection. So therefore, it doesn't seem daunting to us. I actually enjoy the Michelin Guide and I enjoy um, the three star status. I think it's amazing. It's exciting and it should be enjoyed and it should not look at as a burden. Uh, it should look at it as something that's very positive and it should really, really energize um, the establishment because to be amongst one of the top tables in the world, I mean, that's really, really, really special. And everyone should be extremely proud, happy um, that they've contributed to this journey. So we really, really enjoy this process. So as the famous French chef uh, Guy Savoy said once, I heard this, it was pretty amazing. He says, no pressure, only passion.
0: That was Addison Executive Chef William Bradley speaking with KPBS's Jade Heidman about his restaurant's recent Michelin three-star rating. <music> Turner Classic Movies has published a new book called Viva Hollywood, The Legacy of Latin and Hispanic Artists in American Film. KPBS arts reporter Beth Alcamando spoke with the author Luis Reyes.
4: Latin and Hispanic artists have made a huge impact on Hollywood. You'd be hard-pressed to find moviegoers who have not heard of Robert Rodriguez, Selma Hayek, or Jennifer Lopez. In his book, Viva Hollywood, author Luis Reyes highlights these well-known figures, but also digs deeper to find amazing behind-the-scenes stories from classic Hollywood films.
5: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: look at Kong, the eighth wonder of the world.
4: Films such as the 1933 King Kong that Reyes says you might not realize benefited from a Mexican-born artist.
5: Marcel Delgado, he was an art student who was uh, discovered by Willis O'Brien. And Marcel Delgado was the one that actually molded and sculpted The creatures, particularly King Kong.
4: It also celebrates the long and diverse legacy of Latin and Hispanic artists, both behind and in front of the camera, who have helped move Hollywood forward to a more realistic portrayal of the Latinx experience on screen. Beth KPBS News.
0: That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm John Carroll. Debbie Cruz will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening and have a great day.